0: Welcome to the Chicago Bears podcast, a presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer.
1: Not our normal setup, but still the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way live from training camp. This is pretty cool, actually. Pat the Designer, Courtney Cronin in the building Courtney, day two has come and gone and uh, there's a lot to get into with what we heard from Ryan Poles today, what we saw on the field today. Khalil Herbert spoke as well, TJ Edwards. So I mean, why waste time with the intro? Hit the like button, subscribe to the page, all that good stuff. Let's jump into this because we had so much to take away from today that I, I thought was very interesting. And of course, you can't over, you know, analyze anything because of not no pads. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're still in basically t-shirt, shorts, and and very funny-looking helmets at times for some the of the guys. Guardian
0: cap. That's a safety thing. It's a
1: safety they thing. They look
0: like Martians, but apparently they're safe Martians.
1: Oh, why do we do the red though? That's the part that I always kills. Oh, those
0: are for the um the penny or whatever you call it. There's a gosh, there's a name for it. Those are for special teams. So I always find that those the ones that they put yeah, over yeah, them, yeah. like I don't, what is the actual name? Can you guys let us know because <laughs> the Guardian cap, so it's like padded, and then the one the guys who have to put who are on special teams who are putting the red cap on, like it becomes even weirder.
1: It's 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 a a pretty weird setup, but. Even with all the weirdness, we still got a lot to see out of training camp today. I think day two is filled with uh, tweets about Tyler Scott and how he looked, the young man, and, of course, what Justin Fields. Still being able to do a little bit of a more of a struggle today outside, but, I mean, he still looked pretty good in this offense. Again, a very limited pass rush. What did you see today that really stood out to you about what this Bears team is uh, kind of putting together?
0: Well, we know DJ Moore and Justin Fields have that connection. It is very good to see like you kind of expect now, okay, there's going to be that splash play every day. Yesterday. It was the one where he hits him on a deep pass in the end zone. And and it was just a really cool moment to see how that connection is looking in real time. And then today the offense got off to a little bit of a slower start, but I think the first DJ Moore Justin Fields moment came in seven on seven, about midway through training camp today. And then they had a play over the middle of the field in 11 on 11. So that, continuity that they're building day in and day out is a really good sign that it's not just talk of hey we are on the same page we are building something here like you're seeing the action behind the words but we also know that DJ Moore is very fast. He has that second gear that he can hit. It's <laughs> cool fast. to see it from Tyler Scott because yes. that was one of like he was one of the I have the stats somewhere his his success on post routes for touchdowns in college led FBS last year. I think he had nine of them uh, during his final year at Cincinnati. And now you're seeing the Bears utilize him in ways that could really help this offense. Saw him outside a couple of times today. And I thought what Luke Getze said was really interesting. You know, he comes from a college offense, you know, these spread concepts. It's not like super in depth, but like some of the stuff that he's already been able to do and pick up in this playbook, they moved him around. Like I think Getze said, anywhere from like three to four times. The last couple of days moving him to different positions yeah. outside, inside. And that's a great sign that he can fill a multitude of roles here because if you think about the depth chart, it should be a clear cut DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, you know, whoever's number two, number three, I guess we'll we'll end up finding out in camp. But then seeing what Tyler Scott can maybe carve out for himself this year and maybe he's the speed guy, the vertical threat, line him up on the outside, have your guy who can win the matchups on the side, kinda what they wanted Vayless Jones to be last year. Yeah. Starting to see at least the very beginnings of that taking shape today.
1: He was I I thought how he got off of the line the moves that he used the hesitation all those different things i was really excited to see how he was attacking uh i i don't know how to say his last name i'm calling him michael O. oj o- o-
0: oj let's just call him oj do,
1: do we want to do that on a football That's show what they <laughs>
0: called him last year michael ojamudia you know, and i and
1: with michael oj re-
0: yeah with all due respect <laughs> i know that i've bo- i've butchered his name on radio earlier i'm butchering his name now but i think it was flu said yeah oj like yeah, that, yeah. just call Moj. Okay, all right, we call him Moj. They they probably don't want to get it wrong either.
1: <laughs> it, I I thought that, you know, how he was able to attack was really good. Again, it's nothing that you're taking away and you're saying this is exactly why this guy's going to move up the depth chart, but we did talk with Luke Getzi earlier and, and he was not sitting there telling you that he's going to be a guaranteed number 3, number 2 on this depth chart going up against these teams, right? He he talked about Tyler Scott saying I don't have him set where he's going to be yet mm-hmm. just because there's a ton of evaluation to do. But I'm also not putting a limit on what he can get to. And it seems like he's really impressing a lot of people in this building right now.
0: Because you think about like the fourth through sixth receiver spot. On this roster, we know that Equinemius St. Brown is going to play his way into one of those. He's had a good camp so far. It's he been has, two so. days, but I think some of the intermediate routes, some of the underneath stuff that he's been and even like a – I think he caught a screen pass today. Um, that stuff's important, and we know he's a good blocker. They yeah, need that as of offense. Blocker. But then, you know, spots five and six – the team's going to give Velas Jones Jr. every chance to make this team. You don't. You have to justify that third round pick. You yeah. can't give up on him after one year unless there was something so egregious where it was like he can't be on the roster. They're not at that point. And I honestly think he's going to bounce back pretty well yeah. for this team um, because he doesn't need to be one of the main roles. He needs to be a gadget guy, a yeah. jet sweep guy, and even Matt Iberflu said that yesterday. That's kind of where they they really like him. So. Then figuring out, all right, that sixth spot. Of course, Tyler Scott's going to be on this roster. He's a fourth round pick. They they like him a lot. I don't see any way he's not on the roster. But what is his role? Yeah. It sounds like he could just from what Getsy was saying. It's not, you know, they're never going to put a cap on players. But I feel like he could end up playing a considerable role for this offense yeah. early on. By the way that we've seen him already fit into a couple of the different things they're running offensively and do pretty well with it. I mean. You can take what you want from, like, the one-on-ones, you know, the individual stuff. He did the touchdown yeah, that you're referring to. That was
1: the one-on-one, yes.
0: OJ uh, so what we're going to refer <laughs> to him as. Um, we just call him number 26. Number <laughs> Let's two. go
1: 26. 26 yeah. feels safer. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, we don't want to get ourselves
0: in trouble. But, um, you know, that his speed and acceleration on the outside there was really impressive. And then in team drills, when he caught that other touchdown, like, the his separation, like, his yeah. ability to kind of – you know, find himself in in whatever the situation is and figure out, all right, what's that next year I need to get to so I can create that space between myself and the DB. Like, those are hard things to do. A lot of guys really struggle with that. And I don't feel like he's, you know, had any sort of like hiccups with that early on. It is two days in, but you're already starting to see like one of the biggest elements of his game, which is that athlete. He went into college with the athlete label because he, he can do so many different things that athleticism is on display in training camp.
1: And I can't slight, listen, I've been one, I will always be a person that I will criticize you if I don't believe in you. And if I think that you've done a bad job, I will praise you when you prove me wrong. Two days into training camp, Vailis Jones is starting the path of absolutely proving me wrong. He has looked good. I've seen him go up across the middle a couple of times mm-hmm. and snatch a couple of passes that we know would have bounced off his hands last season. I've seen him catch a deep ball, uh I believe down the right side in one-on-ones. If we're going to praise you know, Tyler Scott for his one-on-one, Vayless sure. Jones did the same thing down the right side, caught a deep shot corner of the end zone from Justin Fields. Great throw, great catch. Um, and and just what we've seen from him, you can it feels like he's such a more confident player in this offense now. Like even his second year, you can see the growth. Of course he's uh, right now, especially with uh, Dante Pettis, not being here mm-hmm. at this point, he's been getting that first kickoff, the number one kickoff uh, um, duties right now. And and he looks good. He's, he's bringing the ball in. Doesn't seem like he's having trouble when they're practicing the punt either. Of course, it's not a yeah. real game situation it's very early on with no pads, but it does seem like he's improved, and I will give him all the credit in the world for, for working hard this offseason to get himself to a place where he does feel comfortable.
0: And, you know, knock on wood, he hasn't had the injury issues. Yeah. Remember last year, it was that hamstring that just would not go away, and those soft tissue injuries that linger can end up really setting you back. And I I think for him, it's kind of what we heard like, I don't want to use the word the excuse because I really do think there is a lot of validity to how complicated this offense is. But that's what we kept hearing about Chase Claypool last year when he got here. And, you know, it was so hard for him to pick up the playbook. Yeah. And Velas Jones was a rookie last year, going from a lengthy college career into the NFL where he too struggled with it. And he was here a whole season. Yeah. So I think that that shows you just what these players now, the benefit for them being year two in this offense, how that could help. Guys pick up things more quickly, have them spring into action more quickly. But I, you know, we talk about breakout candidates, not, not necessarily breakout, but bounce back candidates. Chase Claypool is always going to be at the top of everybody's list just because of the draft pick that they gave up to get him. But remember, Velas Jones was a third round pick. He's in line. He needs a bounce back season more than probably, you know, I, I can't really think of many other players on this roster because they've got to justify that third round pick, and they've got to find a role for him where he can not have too much on his plate, but can be a contributor as a return specialist. You've mentioned kickoff return, yeah. of course. You know, we saw him on punt return yesterday. Tyler Scott's also back there. Tyler too, Scott's so back there. Guys that have a lot of speed. Yeah. And Pettis would be on one of those too if he wasn't on the NFI, but it's. It's a good chance for Valus Jones to find some redemption because this coaching staff did not give up on him last year. Every time you talk to players and coaches publicly, it's, you know, Valus is doing what he needs to do. He's, you know, going through the, you know, taking his lumps and going through the learning curve as best he can. Now you get to show, hey, I'm past that. I'm ready. I'm ready to contribute in ways where I can actually help this offense. And I think finding a more pronounced role for him whether it is in these gadget plays or use, utilizing jet sweeps or swing plays or other things where he can just kill you to get to the outside with yeah. that speed, that's knowing your personnel and that's utilizing your personnel effectively should they continue on that path.
1: And, and he's been... It's, it's, he's been such an interesting player because the timeline for him is so different because of his age, right? He's 26 years old coming into this season. And so I think even more so, right, I'm, I'm more so impressed with the improvements we've seen with his hands, with how he's, he's getting off of the line, even with how he's doing kick return and punt return and different things like that, because the pressure on him isn't just, hey, bud, like, it's not that you might not be with the Bears. There's probably not a ton of people out here who are going to give you that second opportunity because of your age, unless you're coming in on a league minimum. He's got an opportunity to prove himself right now in the long term. And like you said, the Bears are going to give him every opportunity. And I mean, even as far as like how you talked about how complex this offense can be, I mean, we heard Luke Getzey talking about just the improvements that Justin Fields yep. has made in that area, right? He 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 talked about you know being able to get into the deeper things in the playbook with him. Like that's the it's one thing that stood up. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: not just like all right, here's the base concept here uh, in this personnel, and this is what the quarterback's supposed to do. And and obviously the quarterback needs to know what everybody's doing, but it sounds like Fields can have deeper conversation about. The why, yeah. like the why behind going towards certain concepts. Not the why.
1: Don't say that, you know? Courtney. You know that's but taboo around here. He, I
0: mean, it's, <laughs> it makes sense though because it just shows you that okay, this is a very difficult offense, and I know that it's a, it's it's what they ran in Green Bay. We yeah. never, we probably because Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback. We never was... heard about wow, this on, offense is so complicated. But we did hear about the receivers, the young ones coming in, how difficult it was for yeah. them to to pick up on it early on, even last year. And some even of that Christian has to do with the quarterback yeah. with, you know, maybe not wanting to be the most forthcoming and wanting to help and all those things. But, what yeah, Christian what do you, Watson. What did he say
1: today? Turn your brain on. He told the Jets <laughs> receivers that. Hey, when you come out today, turn your brain on. Yeah. Jesus, Aaron, you just got here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, already making quite the impression. But, you know, you brought Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Those yeah. guys had issues last year because of how difficult – You know, you'd think, okay, just, you know, know the route pattern, know the route depth, all those things. It's so much more complicated than that. And the the ability Luke Getzi has now two years in to be able to talk to his players at a higher level so they can kind of understand his thinking of why he's putting plays together, why plays work, how they're designed to work, you know. If you know, if you're a player and you know why the offense is supposed to be a certain way and how it's supposed to work, then you're gonna know how to do your job at a better level than you were when you're just coming in and being told, hey, do this. Yeah. just focus on this one job. And I, I I think for Valis and for you know, for Justin Fields, for anybody who went through it last year and had to go through the learning curves of even Cole Komet said yesterday when I asked him about Chase Claypool, he said, you know, for us, we felt like we were learning it all off all season, like off season and season, the guys who were here the whole year. So eventually that becomes those excuses do not have much validity anymore. Yeah. If you start seeing the same issues pop up in the regular season and you see the the like some of the stuff that happened with the offense last year, if it can't get off the ground, then it's like, all right, well, maybe you need to take a step back. But at least right now they're saying the right things that do lead you to believe, okay, year two in this, it actually might look better because there's you know just time on task with learning it and with guys being able to go deeper, just like anybody would, learning a new subject for the first time and then having time to master it and get better at it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have to give credit to the coaching staff as a whole because I, I saw training camp last year. I wasn't out here as much as I am this year, of course, but I saw training camp last year. And to me, just visually, it looks night and day. And that does go to the players having a comfort, players being in place who are the leaders, who already know what's going on. Because now I'm even looking at some of the rookies coming in, and they don't seem like they're stressed trying to figure out what's going on out there. And I'm sure there's, there's their, sh- they have their share of stress, right? Sure. You're just trying to make the team and, and, and not mess up. So the coaches are screaming at you. But we haven't seen a ton of mistakes on either side of the ball to this point. Again, no pads. It, it's very early on. There Luke talked about it being very simple, but it seems like these guys just have – such a, a a comfort zone that the entire offense and, and what we're seeing on the defensive side coming into this, I have to give the coaches credit on, you know, being able to make that adjustment, being able to teach these players who are coming into the second year to assist them enough to where now they're, you know, I, I saw Eddie Jackson on the sideline just, Hey, you want to make this well, you don't want to do that, being able to teach the younger guys what, what they need to
0: do. Yeah. I mean there's that trickle down effect. If you can be a good teacher as a coach, then your students meaning the players can then be good teachers in their own right for the younger players. And one thing I gather from Justin Fields ability to consume this offense and know it like the back of his hand and, and be able to talk about it at a different level in year two, that means he's going to be able to communicate it better to other players. I mean, I've been watching that quarterback series on Netflix and just hearing how Patrick Mahomes relays the play call and, you know, Truly, like re emphasizing before the balls, before they have to, you know, break the huddle, like how things are going to go from the moment the ball is snapped to what the outcome should be, which should be a completion, a touchdown, whatever. Like that shows you a higher football IQ. And Fields has had that. That was, you know, that's always kind of been his MO that he's an incredibly smart player. But now that he knows this offense even better in year two, that's going to help the younger guys coming in because he can simplify. What he, what's being asked of certain players because the quarterback's got to know what 10 other guys are doing. And, you know, that simplifies things along the offensive line where the communication has to be on point in order for the protection to, to last and yeah. to work. So I really think, you know, just the time element alone and what the coaches have been really working towards. So Even when it looked bleak last year, if that pays off, that's going to show you that this is the right system and they've got the right scheme fits because of you know their ability to kind of stay on this and not waver from what they were doing by finding the right players to fit within their scheme, and making sure that you know the the classroom part of it is is as emphasized as what they're doing like on the practice field daily.
1: What's your biggest takeaway so far from what we've seen from how this offense has been able to utilize some of the weaponry that maybe we didn't see enough from last, last season.
0: Well, it, it's the obvious one. DJ but, Moore. <laughs> yeah.
1: It does well, make the, a difference. The, the, and
0: like, that's been the common theme throughout the off season. You actually have receivers that are going to have clear defined roles and you're not trying to take a hodgepodge group that was put together for a reason. Like yeah. they were not supposed to be a winning team last year, but they didn't have players who were capable of putting a pass and effective passing offense together. It it allows less. Pre- it, it should, in theory, allow for less pressure to be on the quarterback. So yeah. Justin doesn't have to feel like, man, I can't wait. I can't just throw to a spot because I don't think that guy's going to get there the way he probably felt last year with the receivers that were around him. Yeah. he'll now have a chance to know. Okay. I can trust that Claypool is going to win his matchup here. I can put the ball in a spot and expect him to get to it. I I know that I can fit this tight window throw to DJ Moore, and I'm comfortable launching the deep ball, which we know is is such a great part of the it's game. Like,
1: it is an emphasis now.
0: And you see it so often. I mean, that to me, I was on Get Up this morning. We were talking about you know your biggest takeaways early on, and it's not just at like the two days of training camp. It's... It's minicamp, it's OTAs, it's seeing the emphasis on the deep ball because he was such a good deep ball passer in college. And even last year, when you saw it in moments, like, wow, that can be really special. Now the Bears are trying to capitalize on it. So I think with the right personnel in place, you're going to have a higher floor for this team. And especially with the quarterback position, because he's not going to, if it all works out, those scramble plays that we talked about, you know, why they happen and some of them were broken pass plays. They will be not broken pass plays yeah. because he'll be able to, you know, string the ball down the field to, you know, wide receivers who can do their jobs in ways that the other personnel last year <laughs> weren't able to. But also on top of that, when you talk about like, the improved group, and that's something, it's definitely a different energy around this team. I think Khalil Herbert said it today when when you see the guys they went out and got in free agency in the draft make plays, you're like, okay, that's why you're here. Yeah. And that's good. And then seeing like Deontay Foreman lined up wide, um, you know, the kind of the more you can do with that running back position and, you know, what do they use him at, whether it's a gadget play, whether he's a decoy, whether he actually catches the ball. I mean, those are things that we saw only like in fruition not come to fruition, only kind of in like surface level details last year. But today you saw the running backs flanked out wide. You saw Robert Tanyan yesterday, you know, lined up out wide, lined up next to the core, like utilizing the slot you have more capabilities to call different plays, to go deeper in your playbook when you have better personnel. That's just a matter of fact. And that, at least early, is what we're seeing.
1: I thought that was a really key moment, right? I believe it was in 7-on-7. And Justin had thrown a couple of balls, and they just got batted down. Mm -hmm. Middle of the field, they got batted down. Defense is hype. They they end up going through, right? P.J. Walker comes in. They go, you know, everybody else going through, and it goes back to Justin, first play. DJ Moore down the right side, he puts up yeah. a bomb. And you can just tell that there's going to be times this season where, all right, it's not working. DJ, just just go deep. I'll find you down there. Like Joe Burrow said with Jamar, right? He's yeah. like, well, what was that play called? Jamar's down there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels like that's where, like this offense finally has something to fall back on. That's not just Justin Fields running for his life and just being one of the best people that we've yeah. seen do that in NFL history.
0: And, like, I, I would like to see, like, kind of as we spin this thing forward, and we know Mooney's not up to speed yet. Claypool's still, you know, he went through his ups and downs today. You don't want the offense to be like, all right, it's DJ Moore. It's a DJ Moore show, yeah. and then who else? Like, early on, the highlights we're talking about, at least for like the big splash plays and 11 on 11, have been DJ Moore. That's what it should be at times. He's your number one wide receiver. Right. Like, you can't, this team doesn't have multiple number one wide receivers on the roster. Most teams aren't constructed that way, but the fact that it keeps coming up again and again is very encouraging but i i also think that you know the like what we've seen from Justin Fields so far like his growth even just like kind of marginally like when you're watching him you know, with the new personnel, for example. So, like, I was kind of it, – it's hard to tell until they put pads on. Like, right, right, all right, right, you know, that's a sack, that's a sack, that's a sack. If that would happen. but If you think like, it's a
1: joke, like, go watch Khalil Herbert's yeah. interview. Half the questions that were asked to him, he's like, we don't have pads yeah. on, I don't know.
0: <laughs> and, and, like, there's only so many ways that you can, like, simulate pressure and simulate for a quarterback the timing, the clock you have to have in your head. But I asked Luke Getzi about this. Like, there's got to be a concerted effort for Fields – you know, he, his fatal flaw coming out of college was holding onto the ball too long. Yeah. Like take the check down, take the checkdown, take the quick throw, take the slant, take the, you know, so whoever's in the flat. And we saw a little bit of that today. If they can continue to build towards yes. that with the new personnel they have, that's going to be an element, which sounds so simple in theory, but it's going to be an element that's of critical importance for this team and this offense.
1: And I think even a little bit of growth from Luke Getze, right. It, it felt like A lot of times last season, Cole Komet wasn't in that spot for him to be the check down. And so, you know, having that big body there that Justin Fields can be like, oh, well, he takes up half the field. I can just throw it his way and he's going to be able to come down with that. And I thought Coach Floos really said something. We we brought it up on the pod yesterday. But what is having Robert Tunyon on this team do? Mismatches, mismatches, mismatches. You're going to be somebody's going to be one on one. If you're in a 12 personnel set, somebody's going to be one-on-one. And so I just I, I think that the Bears offense, at least what we're starting to see build up right now, is the makings of an offense that not only can be potent but can be extremely efficient because of the decision-making that Justin Fields is starting to do with, okay, the deep shot isn't there. I'm going to just take the check down. Oh, and by the way, if the check down's not there, I'm just in fields. I can also just run for 12 yards
0: if I need to. And that's conditioning him to, of course, those are progressions, reads, going through all the options left to right, however they want to do it. But knowing that you have other options other than if if the, like locking in on one thing and if it's not there, taking off and running. Yeah. He now has options that make sense that are not just like one dimensional, where it's like, all right, well, if this isn't open, we're kind of SOL. I've got to, you know, tuck and run, or I've got to throw the ball. Like, even throwing the ball out of bounds, I think it's a skill that a lot of quarterbacks, like, still sometimes he struggle still with. He still hasn't done that
1: like, one enough and to that's, me.
0: That's probably like, again, check downs seem like such a simplified concept, yeah. but they're in a simplified portion of, you know, the playbook right now and getting those main concepts down to where DJ Moore is probably not always going to be open. They're probably going to send two defenders to his side. They'll probably play cloud coverage, bracket coverage, double him, Who you name it. Yeah, like yeah. He's a very talented player. He's going to draw attention of def- defenders. So then how does Fields respond to that? And you won't be able to tell that until you get into the regular season yeah. because that's just not something – I mean, training camp, they're focused on themselves. They're focused on getting the offense to a point where they can go – out and play a preseason game and they feel they can, ev- like they want to see certain things they can evaluate, but eventually that's what you'll be able to judge Justin Fields on. Is he like the number one question? I think a lot of people have it. Can he get rid of the ball faster? Can he not get sacked as much? Yeah. Some of that's on him in finding other ways to be efficient within the offense other than, you know, what we saw last year, you know, certainly the deep shot, but also tucking and running.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that, Justin's gonna have an ability to I I saw, you know, he did a couple of screen passes today, little touch pass type things and it might seem like nothing, but having the ability to just drop in a a screen pass when the pressure's coming in your face and they those are the things that quick
0: throws are super important and it's hard for quarterbacks sometimes. When I covered Kirk Cousins, I remember (laughs) the screen pass was like a difficult thing and you think, okay. Of course, the pressure's coming at you. The pass rush is coming at you far quicker. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a hot route, more or less. Like, it's a glorified hot route because you're probably going to have a free rusher. And if you have, you know, somebody that's like – if you've got a, somebody's, you know, offensive lineman sitting in your lap, you're probably still holding onto the ball right. or it didn't go far. So being able to think quickly, react quickly once the ball snapped and have that communication, whether it is – and I think we saw EQ on, on a screen today. Yep. And then, of course – you know, Khalil Herbert, that'll be a role for him. Deontay Foreman, too. And it's interesting because Carolina didn't really use Foreman in that role much yeah. last year. And so to see at least some of like the the base concepts here that the Bears are running in training camp and then they're lining him up out wide, and whether it is a decoy, whether the ball actually might come his way. That that shows you that they're willing to get creative with yeah. what they're doing, and they know that that can be a way to just get a quick gain and take some pressure off fields in the process.
1: It'll be it'll be interesting to see what this offense is going to become. I'm excited to keep seeing it grow. The, the The best part about being up here is there's some things that video just doesn't explain. Sure. I'm not gonna lie to you. When I see DJ Moore, when I see Tyler Scott run, I'm just like, oh, they're. That's not normal speed. Yeah, you know, like like when Justin yeah, the talks video about does
0: not do it justice, <laughs> and that's like the cool thing I think for fans. Like even for us, when DJ Moore, or I think it was Fields, that said, you know, he's not running hundred percent out there this is no. back in the spring. He's like, like oh, how, how do you do that? Like how when you are at full stride, but like not full speed, how do you then pick up another level? Because that's crazy when you think about what like physical skill set that takes that so few guys have and i asked dj about it yes two days ago i was like do you do speed training because you're really fast oh yeah. like, you know he's like no not really you know, I eat popcorn like yeah that was his whole thing about you know whenever justin calls i go and that's the training that he does yeah. but to have that sort of second gear that you don't you just it's just a rare thing like seeing that in person it's it's kind of remarkable how like how fast he is yeah
1: and i think we only saw we may have only seen it one time today where he actually took off and was just like, okay, like mm-hmm. there's nobody. Then, yeah, you
0: gotta save nobody, it. Nobody, like, You gotta be able to like <laughs> utilize it in key moments.
1: <laughs> like, there's nobody that can stay in front of him. We got a lot, we got to talk to a lot of interesting, uh, uh, we got a lot of interesting points from a lot of the interviews we heard today. I thought that Jack Sanborn's press conference was very interesting. He talked about how he feels like he's getting, you know, he, he feels close to being sure. able to get off of the ramp up and actually be able to get out there and play. But you asked him a question on what happened in the offseason. You know, did he have surgery or not? The vagueness on yeah. the answer kind of kind of threw that, me for a little mystery there.
0: You know, and I think that kind of. Points to like his timeline of why he couldn't be in the spring, you know, workouts. I think that would lead you to, it alluded to, yes, something was done. And that's okay. It's just we haven't heard from him on record about that, but it would explain the timeline. Not that there was any sort of setback because this injury happened in December last year, but knowing when he's going to be able to get back because we didn't see him in any, and we have not seen him in in any of the team things. Same with Darnell Mooney, though, who also had an ankle injury. And of course, every injury is different. Um, we know from Mooney that he went through the process of getting the surgery and, and ankle—you know—screws placed in his ankle, all of that. Um, but he's still gearing up to being in a ele- to being ready to play in eleven on eleven. Yeah. So
1: we've really only I, seen Eddie. Yeah. Eddie's the only one we've and, really and seen that came he, back. he
0: was he avoided surgery this offseason with the Liz Frank. So I think he got very lucky. It's a lucky break for him that he didn't have to do anything super aggressive to fix that, but. I think with Sanborn, you know, it's kind of the risk. Like, all right, like I'm the number three linebacker. It's still a starting position technically, but they're in their nickel so much. You're not going to see the strong side linebacker all that much. Yeah. And, of course, learning a new position, um, you know, being, you know, all of the tweaks that happen after last year and then they go out and spend – most of their resources in free agency, at least early on, on Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, and then it's like, all right, well, I'm Jack, I'm Jack Sanborn. I'm the third guy in the mix here. <laughs> and then, oh, lo and behold, they draft Noah Sewell. Yeah. And you've got to imagine that Sanborn probably feels some pressure on him because he wasn't participating during the offseason program. And Sewell had a really good spring. Really good. A really good spring. Really good. And if he...
1: They made a really nice play yesterday if in training he, camp. If he
0: continues to do that, are you looking at Jack Sanborn saying, okay, you might Danger of losing your spot on the depth chart. Yeah, It's very possible.
1: Could be. I, I I just I found that very interesting. The vagueness of it, and like you said, it probably does have to do with the timeline. But he does sound like he he's almost ready to get back out there. He mm-hmm. said he felt close. Yeah, you know he, he said he feels good to go. He's just waiting on you know the the staff basically to give him the okay on that. I think he's going to be a key party. We even heard T.J. Edwards talk about him. He said the second I saw this guy in college, they had one year, yeah, but they was overlapped, constant. and at Wisconsin, he basically said the second I saw this guy, like he knew the playbook right away. He, he could just spit it out to you. He knew where he needed to be. He knew, you know, you, you could see that this guy was going to be very different. So I think that having that relationship already in place, this linebacker core, I, I don't know if it's going to be they, they ranked the second in the NFL. I don't know about that. But
0: <laughs> I mean that's how <laughs> they did put a lot of a lot of resources into it. And what helps a linebacking core? Having a solid defensive line yeah. so you don't have free rushers coming at you from you know to the second level that get to you much quicker because the gaps up front are not, you know, there's not a lot of gap integrity. So yeah. you hope that at least for their sake, that the interior of the defensive line seems like it's been you know that's obviously the strength of this defensive line it's what they focused a lot of their efforts on this offseason but like if if they don't have those sorts of issues that they had last year then I think this linebacking core will probably end up being what we say is a strength of the team by the time it's done yeah this season.
1: I, I, I think that especially with I, I don't know with I, I saw the Yannick and Gakwe report the other day um, that, that he has interest in becoming a bear and I was like I, well of course, like this we have, the interesting mo- we, a multi-year we, deal. <laughs> we have the most money to give you as well. You know what I mean? So I think that that would definitely help their cause. But it seems like Ryan Poles is taking a very measured approach. Even hearing him talk today, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's taking a very measured approach to even adding to this to adding to this defense. But even you know, re-signing guys like he. What, the commit thing took from what do you say the the beginning of spring. mini camp, beginning of the spring? spring. Yeah. Till now to get done. So this has been an ongoing conversation. It almost seems like, and and we heard him get asked about, uh, um, you know, what was he going to do with Jalen Johnson a lot? Like, it almost feels like this could be something where I'm going to wait and see. You show me what you show me. And then... If we like it, you'll be back. If if we don't, you know, we'll make our decision based on that.
0: Yeah, the biggest thing I took from what Polls said this afternoon about the homegrown player aspect, yeah. like he had somebody come up to him at practice and say, you know, the deal that they gave to Cole Komet, who was not drafted by this regime but retained by the by, but retained by this one, is that that gave the ener- the locker room a lot of energy. That homegrown players who Ryan Polls, you know stress the importance of paying the guys that you draft and develop during his introductory press conference that Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney, who again, like that's the case of we need to see you get your speed back. We, yeah, like, yeah. And there were some checkpoints he talked about, you know, just like certain analytics that they're going to use to say, okay, before we make an investment, are you the player that we expect you to be going forward? And are you the player we thought you were when we like, we're really getting this idea of extending you. And then of course, when it comes to Jalen Johnson, some of those metrics are in there too with him. But I think the message polls is sending right now is that he's, you know, there's no hard and fast timeline. Like yeah. this one with Comet got done early. And when you think about other business decisions that are out there, edge rusher comes to mind. And it's, well, I'm not in any rush to do it and unless it's a right move for us. Yeah. I'm not going to just like jump into something just to bring another body in here. They can sign vets off the street whenever they want to and do it far cheaper than going out and getting potentially a Justin Houston, a unique in Gawk any of those players. But I, I think that he's made it a point to be very measured, but like never stray far for like never, you don't hear the same message every time that he speaks about it. And it's never deviated from I'm going to do what's like the, kind of the best long-term play for this team and certainly there's some short-term like short-term things that you have to focus in on they need to be able to feel the team that's competitive like that's competitive enough yeah. with the pass rush so it doesn't look like last year but he's not going to get pushed into something like that is the vibe that i took away from his introductory press conference this week and then you know kind of hearing how he measured these these extensions that were done and the ones that could potentially be in the works, but also like opening that up to players who aren't currently on the roster, but could be yeah, eventually.
1: No, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Like he hasn't, nothing has changed about him. And I think I, I, I appreciate it so much coming from the previous regime where, you know, they would tell us one thing. And then if a player became available, we got to get them like, Oh, you can't miss this opportunity. And that's,
0: and, sometimes that happens, but a lot of times that's the knee jerk reaction yeah. to, you know, deviating from your plan more or less.
1: And and it doesn't seem like Ryan Poles is doing that. He's no. he's very much like, this is the plan. If there's a player that comes available and we can, you know, kind of fit him into the plan, that's a very different conversation to have. But mm-hmm. we're not going to blow up the plan and create a new plan because this player has become available. And I, I just appreciate that. You, you. It's like you said, every time you hear him talk, it's very measured, very composed. And he he's giving you the same message. And I think that consistency is something that bears fans have not seen in a long time in this building. So really excited to see that um, as we get ready to go into day three tomorrow, what, uh, what do you want to see? What, what's the next thing that you really want to see uh, put on tape?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is
1: <laughs> tape ish.
0: <laughs> All right. So like the way I look at training camp, you can break it up into a couple days. So of course there's a like report day. And then the first day, which today really was the first yeah, day yeah. because there were fans out. and they Yesterday was like random
1: OTA day. It
0: felt very OTA-ish. Um, like And then there's that ramp-up period where it's like, all right, can we just get to pads so we can actually evaluate what running backs look like, what the pass rush will be simulated to look like yeah. because, of course, they can't hit the quarterback. Yeah. So, like, that's, you know... You just
1: got to put that check on there like he'd have got killed.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> but like, And I bring that up because Demarcus Walker was chirping today oh, yeah. he was really loud he was firing guys up like that's a role that i don't think they had from anyone on the defensive line last year so how he you know i'm curious to see how that goes from tomorrow again i don't think we'll be able to really judge that until yeah. we get into you know further into training camp with the, when the pads come on but also like in the short term, I think the Chase Claypool thing was interesting today. So he had, he had a drop in 7-on-7. Seven seven. He had a pass that came to him that was he, he bobbled. He kind of like tipped it and then tipped it back to himself in 11-on-11. 11 11. He got up a t- tad bit slow. Um, he jogged it off, but, you know, just keeping an eye on that. yeah, but- yeah. I think the important thing for Luke Getze to see in those moments with Chase Claypool, because a lot's been made. And, of course, you know, yesterday I wrote about like his work ethic and how he feels about people questioning it and based on what happened in the offseason and the one-day pup stint, all these things. Like, How does he not let any of that stuff affect what he's going to do in making sure I spend the next five weeks becoming the number two receiver on this team? Yeah. Because we know that DJ Moore and Justin Fields, that connection's there. That's a very good sign for this offense. Of course, you keep building towards. It. It's not like you can just take days off with that. But how does Chase Claypool build that connection with Justin Fields? We can start to see that tomorrow. Yeah. We can start to see that on Saturday, and you know when Mooney gets back too. I don't expect those two to have missed a beat at all because they have they have like the benefit of having the reps that they stored since you know to 2021 season. Claypool's the outlier liar though, and I and I just think that there will be some moment that tells you, okay, it's either clicking or he's still got a long way to go, and. Yeah. You know, if you're the bears, you hope to see that sooner rather than later. But I do think before we even get in pads, that's one thing that you can start to evaluate and say, okay, that is working or this is why it's not.
1: Yeah. And a comfortability in the offense again, right? Like, even with how they talked about uh, uh, how Luke talked about Velas, he said last season he'd come out and didn't know whether to go left or right yeah. to line up. This season he's he's going right to where he needs to be, so I'm excited for tomorrow. Can't wait to get back here. Can't wait to break down more Bears football. We'll be doing all that here on the Chicago Bears podcast Monday through Friday. Make sure to leave a five-star review. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page for Courtney, Courtney Cronin. Oh, gotta get that right. I'm Pat the Designer. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. Peace. Peace.